and welcome to Game Sense, a Rookie Me Central podcast that focuses on all the comings and goings on women's football across the country. I'm your host, Peter Williams, and in today's episode, we'll analyse all the key talking points of a huge round two of action and chat to St Kilda's co-vice-captain, Bianca Jacobson, then try to predict how round three will go down. But first, let me introduce women's football analyst, Elise Collette. Elise, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So what I'm going to do today, it's a little bit of a different episode. We're going to run through the results. We're going to have got a few talking points we're going to discuss. Uh, and then we've got a few little fun challenges at the end uh, that will mix up each week. So we're going to start with uh, the results. Uh, round two in the AFL Women's saw the blockbuster game at the MCG. Melbourne 3-8-26 uh, get home in a thriller against North Melbourne 4-0-24. Uh, Adelaide uh, escaped against Richmond uh, thanks to Abby Ballard's two goals in the final term, 5-6-36 against Richmond's 4-3-27. The Bulldogs uh, overcame a serious injury to Brittany Gutnick uh, to defeat Port Adelaide over at Alberton in the Powers' first home game of the season. They were a bit inaccurate, but they still got the job done, 3-10-28 to 1-3-9. Over in the West, Geelong caused a bit of a boil over, uh, really putting Fremantle's season in a bit of doubt, uh, winning 3-9-27 to Fremantle's one behind, the lowest score in AFL women's history. Uh, Carlton, uh, over uh, down at ETU Stadium on the Sunday, managed to knock off Essendon uh, by point, which was a lot uh, closer than it looked like at first. Darcy Vessio kicked three goals in the win, and the Blues got the job done to get on the board in season seven uh or 2022b depending how you look at it uh following on on the sunday collingwood 6945 just cruised home against sydney 2214 brisbane got the job done comfortably after a slow start against the giants to boot 10 goals to one in the last three quarters and run out 47 point winners st kilda um, notched up their second consecutive win ahead of a massive clash against melbourne 9963 defeating hawthorne 1410 at box hill Meanwhile, rounding up the complete action, Gold Coast, 7-5-47, won their first game of the season, bouncing back from a disappointing round one loss to knock off West Coast, 2-2-14 up at Metricon Stadium. That's the nine games. So, Elise, what were your thoughts on the round and uh, what was your sort of favourite game to watch? Oh, I had plenty of thoughts. I can I can tell you that much. Um, firstly, I, firstly, Geelong, that, um, that was quite the shocking result because we were talking about last week about how massive game for Freo was going to be at home. Freo were going to do it easily. Nope. Um, far from it. So yeah, that was, that was quite the surprise for, for me. Um, I, it does leave me with a lot of questions about how Freo will go the rest of the year. Um, another one, a um, couple of, a couple of escapes over the weekend. Uh, Carlton, Carlton looked like they were going to do it easily over Essendon, and then they ultimately only um, only won by the point. Well, Richmond looked looked like they were going to cause a boil over of their own, and uh, at um, what's that ground called? Putt Road Oval on um, Saturday morning, and then just there were a couple of other little things that I I noticed. Um, Port for the second week in a row had a had a shocking discipline in their last quarter. They gave away nine free kicks round one in the final quarter. It was at least eight free kicks in the final quarter last weekend. So that's something they're seriously going to have to work on. And as much as I 
much as I don't want to talk about it. Bad injury count over the weekend. Um, three ACLs and a and an ankle injury. So, yeah, all the talk was move it to winter and uh, we'll stop seeing so many ACLs. But unfortunately, that's yeah not the case. And just finally, GWS really impressed me why they started on Saturday because they they scored the first two goals over Brisbane and were looking really good. And Brisbane didn't score point I should say until a kick after the first quarter siren and then didn't kick a goal till the second quarter so yeah but then Brisbane just showed the class and and ran over the top of them in the end so as much as as games like that would be frustrating for GWS the fact that they got on top of Brisbane at the start is a is a good building block for them in future weeks. Yeah, no, I agree. We're going to run through a few of the, the teams. Uh, we'll just on a few of those notes that we won't be discussing. Obviously, we'll discuss the Frio game and a few others. Uh, in terms of the, uh, I guess, the comebacks, it was really good to see um, those kind of close games. I think from my perspective, uh, outside the top few teams, I think the gap is closing between the, the lower teams and, and the high ones, maybe excluding the... Um, expansion teams as such but I think we've seen from the Richmond Adelaide result that um, you know that the, the Tigers are improving the Crows maybe a, a slip down a notch uh, there's a few one uh, same with Geelong and Freeman I know Freeman will discuss but that's another example of where a lower team is, has been able to come up with the goods um, even to an extent Essendon Carlton a new team uh, coming up and, and challenging an established team uh, like, as you said, Giants early on against Brisbane. Um, there, there's a few few there, but I, I feel like the gap is closing. I think there's mm. three um, contenders, but I do feel like the gap is closing between, say, fourth to, say, 13th. That that gap is uh, a lot smaller. Yeah, Geelong and Richmond in particular are the two sides that have really impressed me thus far this year. There are a few questions coming out of their round one game, but the fact that Geelong uh, came over the top of Frio with relative ease, mind you. And uh, Richmond almost pinched one off Adelaide. Yeah, it's it's a good sign for where the competition's at. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I did just allude then, of course, that there are three premiership contenders. We're going to break them down. Obviously, there's realistically more. But right now, uh, my opinion, I think there's three that can win it. Uh, and that is Brisbane, Melbourne and North Melbourne. We've kind of headlined this from the from the start of the year. Um, Adelaide, Collingwood and Fremantle with the other question marks. Uh, we'll talk about Fremantle in a moment. I think Adelaide and Collingwood, I mean, yeah, Adelaide have sort of shown they've maybe dropped down a peg and Collingwood, while they've been winning, uh, I, I think it's going to be a real test for them this week and going forward. So we're going to discuss uh, the three teams. We'll, we'll start with Brisbane. Uh, just statistically speaking, uh, they've obviously had a, pre- a couple of big, big wins uh, defeating Fremantle in round one. And then, uh, you know, just on the weekend, as we alluded to before, managed to travel down, uh, knock off the Giants on the road, which was a good win. Uh, what they do well, Brisbane, uh, number one in inside 50s. They've had 53 more than their opponent across the course of the two weeks. They dominate the contested possessions, plus 41. They're the, uh, they have the least amount of turnovers compared to their opponents. They've had minus 24. Uh, they've had the most bounces in the league with plus six. 
uh, as well as the second highest tackle differential, which when considered how much of the ball they win, they, that's very impressive that they've got that defensive aspect. Uh, and they're ranked third for kicks and uh, fourth for tackles inside 50. So they bring the pressure as well as winning the ball. Where their improvements uh, I've got down as their one percenters, which again, it's a bit hard if you've always got the ball, but their tackles are high uh, and their contested marks where they're ranked 13th. But realistically, not too many holes to start the season. I reckon if you said bar the perhaps the first quarter in each game, maybe starting a little bit slow, um, or I shouldn't say first quarter, they were good against Fremantle, but um, you know, little patches within games where they sort of have 10 minutes. Uh, I know Fremantle kicked a, a couple of goals in quick succession during their match, um, but the first quarter against GWS, you take that out and there isn't too much to fault with uh, Brisbane to start the season. Yep, that's a, that's a fair summary. When you've got players like O'Dwyer, Anderson, Bates just winning so much of the ball out of the middle and and giving the likes of Wardlaw, Farquharson, and Davidson and others just so much of the ball, it's, it's yeah not easy to stop. Yeah, and and I think Craig Stasevich has kept the playing group really level-headed. He's uh, not getting ahead of himself. He's basically said that, you know, we're, you, you'll take the wins. We're pretty happy with them, but at the end of the day, we've still got areas to work on. He was um, a, a little disappointed with the start. Obviously, they kicked the one behind, which was just a late one, um, while the Giants kicked a couple of goals, but they were able to sort of turn it around, get back on their terms, and, and take away the four points. Uh, so they're going to be much better for it. Um, I think that they've got a really dominant forward line. And, and for me, I think, or well, probably all these teams realistically, but particularly the, the first two, um, there's not too many holes in that team. They've got a good Rark, Talia Hickey coming through. They've got good inside, outside midfielders. They've got a really well-balanced forward line. They've got a great defense. Uh, obviously, Kate Luckin still to come back in, hopefully, for them. Uh, yeah, I, I, look, there's no reason. We, we spoke off the top of the... Um, I guess season, if you like, said they had the toughest draw. But if you end up positioning yourself as as the best team, then it's not going to matter who you play. So, um, yeah, for me, I reckon their season so far has just been a massive success. Yep, me too. I've got nothing else to add to to that. Uh, If we move on to the second team, uh, obviously, uh, yeah, we're going to speak about Melbourne, which uh, I know Elise can go into detail (laughs) about. But... Um, look, we'll run through some stats first. Uh, first in the handballs, first in the disposals, and massively ahead of anyone else. 103 more handballs than their opponents. 117 more disposals. Defic- uh, disposal efficiencies first. Inside f- 50 efficiency, which is just a score, not a goal. I know you'll probably have something to say about accuracy um, <laughs> with your team, but um, disposal efficiency first. Inside fi- uh, 50 efficiency, as I said, first. Uh, uncontested possessions first by 128, which is about 50 more than the, the next highest, uh, and second for bounces behind uh, Brisbane. I think they're equal second overall. Uh, improvements, tackles, uh, minus 25. Again, probably lends itself, as we said earlier, if you're winning a lot of the ball, you're not chasing someone with the ball. So that's not as a major concern for me. Perhaps the area that uh, Mr. Near might look at is clearances, uh, ranked 15th overall and 15th for center clearances and 14th for stoppage clearances take that out and there's not too much else that they're, they're faulting at at the moment uh, obviously accuracy is an, an area that i will probably touch on but um as a whole how have you sort of rated the season and would you sort of say that's a fair summary the what it, what it looks like from a fan perspective um yeah that's a, that's a fair summary actually i'm does not surprise me that 
the D's are so far ahead in handballs because particularly out of the middle, they like to, to handball out and try and find the space. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, accuracy is always, always an issue. I think they kicked like eight behinds or something on the weekend, which, yeah, didn't help. Um, yeah, clearance is, is another one that also doesn't surprise me too much, but it's probably something they will definitely work on because, yeah, they're not – yeah, one thing I have noticed this year, it's not the quick – like the couple of players like your, your Paxmans and your Hankses that are good at, at getting it out, but that's only two out of – However many mids are in there. Um, I'd say Liv Purcell's pretty good at yeah, clearances, too. though. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Liv. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, you've got um, speed of Bannon, height of height of Harris in the forward line, leadership of of Daisy Pierce. I mean, there's not much more that can be said about that that hasn't been said already. But one player that I has particularly impressed me so far this year is Talia Gillard, who has come in off the back of, of a, an injury to Gab Colvin. And I, I felt like she's really ta- made the most of her opportunity and has really yeah, taken that opportunity with two hands. Yeah, no, look, uh, I mean, it's been great that they've been able to uh, bring her in uh, and, and give her that opportunity over Charlotte Wilson. I believe Wilson yeah. hasn't got a game yet. So yeah, she's emergency. They've, they've backed her in. They've backed in the um, the youngster, the teenager, over over an experienced known product. So they're backing in the talent they've got, which is good. Uh, obviously, she's got a fair bit of height on Wilson. Um, she, she'd be the tallest in the team, I presume, it, probably around that 190 <laughs> close to it. Or? Yeah, she's 190. I think the yeah. only one that would be taller than her is Maggie Karras. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, she, she's clearly very tall. Um so yeah, she she fits a good good mold there. Um, athletic enough, she can mark in the air. She's good at that. So um, it makes sense. Uh, and I think that yeah, right now obviously if if they can kind of improve that center clearance uh, work, I think that they're probably going to be uh, you know even stronger. They're clearly willing to just handball a lot and, and get it inside 50. They're winning the ball, keeping off the opposition, using it well. Of course, when you're handballing, your disposal efficiency is going to be good because you're not going to want to be missing your handballs. So uh, especially if they're uncontested handballs, that's not a good sign if you're, you're missing uncontested handballs. So they're ahead on all those. And I think that's a very contrast difference to Brisbane, even just looking at those pure stats. Brisbane are a uh, win the contested ball, kick long inside 50, um, and, you know, lay tackles, keep it in there. Or if they mm. do, they win, they um, just keep possession of the ball, but they don't, um, they're not as uh, high handball. They're more um, kick it yeah. long, kick it in there. Uh, and then once it's in there, just lock it in there until they score. So very different kind of uh, aspects. Uh, and I do know watching Melbourne uh, on Friday night, they don't mind keeping the, the forward line a bit open, um, mm. particularly if, if the likes of Bannon can run onto it and, and whatnot. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting when they do play. Yeah, so, round four, not yeah, too far away at all. No, it's it's coming up. It's it's going to be a good one for that. Third team premiership contender, North Melbourne at this stage. Uh, we do know they had a loss on the weekend, uh, or should say Friday, for against Melbourne. Um, but they did do well in the clearances. They won it by 10 in that game. So that's probably a, a large indication of why the clearances stats uh the way they are so they're plus they're equal second in clearances plus 12 
um, second in center clearances, plus eight. Uh, inside 50s, they're fifth. And contested possessions, they're eighth. Uh, their inside 50 efficiency isn't as good. They're down at 14th. Uh, uncontested possessions, they're down. And contested marks, they're uh, down as well at the bottom, minus eight. Um, but a lot of that, again, is they've almost, because we are only two rounds in, and this is why it's worth discussing it, is the fact that because of these two teams playing their brand, they have been impacted statistically. So North winning the clearances means because they played Melbourne, one of the only two opponents Melbourne had, their clearances are going to be lower. Where North's uncontested best possessions are low because they played Melbourne, who's a high. So, um, But for me, I don't think uh, anything that North produced on Friday night left me like with any doubts about them. I still think they're right up there with a premiership contender. And we know if... Um, you know, they somehow stop that inside 50 to Bannon late, then potentially they come away with a win. So it was very, very even. Or Melbourne's and pressure really late in like the last couple of minutes wasn't as high as it was. Yeah. And they're um, in, in North's inside 50. Yeah. So, no, absolutely. So it's it's sticking with them for four quarters. I think North are thereabouts. We should, you know, there, there are obviously some other teams that have won a couple of games as well, you know, St Kilda's and Collingwood's and Geelong's and a couple of them face off. Uh, I think we're going to find out by um, round four where everyone sort of sits. Um, Yeah, because Collingwood and Geelong are playing off this weekend, so that'll be a good one. Uh, St Kilda and Melbourne are playing off this weekend, so um, that's other undefeated teams, so that'll be an interesting one. Um, But yeah, closing thoughts. Is there any of the other teams you think are in that bracket at the moment? Um realistically probably not there are a few other undefeated sides as we've alluded to a couple of times but yeah i feel like once all the the top however many it is six um have all played each other we'll we'll find that they're not quite at the same level if that makes sense yeah i think there's a a bit of a gap uh in what they are and of course um you know we will we will discuss St Kilda after, which are one of the undefeated teams, and and see where we think they kind of sit with what they've been doing. First, we're going to have to go from the Premiership contenders to, I mean, arguably the the team that's probably been the most disappointing, but it's also because of factors outside their control, um, and that is Fremantle. Uh, look, it's fair to say they've sort of had a bit of a, a forgettable season. They've had a couple of big defeats, first at the hands of the Lions and, and now only scoring the one behind at their home ground against Geelong. Um, we, we read out the stats for the other teams. It's it's not a pretty picture for, for Dockers fans. Um, they're last in disposals, contested possessions, second last in uncontested possessions. Um, they've got the third most turnovers, um, and they're also 17th for marks, uh, last for marks inside 50, 17th for inside 50s and uh, efficiency. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's it's not a pretty picture. Um, they're, they're basically not getting their hands on the ball. They're turning it over when they, um, you know, they get it and they just aren't able to have that time and space to win those uncontested possessions at this stage. Um, before I throw to Elise to get her thoughts, I'll just say what um, Coach Trent Cooper said after the loss to Geelong. He uh, basically said the squad was lacking confidence uh, and that they were being too reactive to the opposition. Um, they've had a lot of injuries and illnesses, not been able to train, 
Um, he said there'd hardly been a session where they've had 80% availability, the likes of Haley Miller and, and Kiara Bowers. He, he highlighted Kiara Bowers particularly because she uh, had COVID on the eve of the season uh, and has just, he said, not quite had the same spark, but even though she's getting back into it and playing it well, it's she's sort of been out of it. Um, Haley Miller's had um, sort of little niggles and interruptions over the preseason. So uh, obviously Gemma Houghton left and they've had injuries to the Antonios and uh, it, it's it's been a perfect storm in the bad way in the fact that they just haven't been able to have that continuity. So with all that in mind, what are your thoughts on the Dockers? I just want to firstly say on Bowers, that might explain her bad disposal efficiency from round one because it was saying it was like 35% or mm. something, which is very un, un-Bowers. But yeah, it's it's a tricky one for Freya because you can blame the injuries and Houghton's departure and all that. But if you want to be a contender, you've got to win with who, whoever's on the park. Like, there have been teams in the past who have had shocking injury runs but still made something out of their season. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because if I would have been, I'll be surprised if anyone thought Geelong would overcome, it would, um, would beat Frio on the weekend. Please tell me if there is someone out there. But, um, yeah, it's just, it doesn't. They just don't seem the freer, the daunting freer of years gone by. They've still got Bowers, they've still got Miller, but they're only two players, and yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, only round two, but yeah, it's, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Freya. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. Um, Bowers, Miller, obviously, I think we know the stars. They're going to get into it. Sarah Verry has been a shining light in defence. Um, and Anya Tyre as well is someone who Trent Cooper highlighted um, as yeah. moving I'm, into that midfield. Anya Tyre is someone who's who's really impressed me so far, and her her intercept and her marking work's been particularly impressive. Yeah, so they do have some little shining lights there. Um, of course, normally you'd say, look. <laughs> Do they pack up the shop and, you know, head head to the draft for this year? You know, is it all too hard? I know they're not going to do that. But, um, of course, the, the problem with the women's draft system is it's not like the, the men's where you've got an entire draft pool to pick from. They know who they're going to be have access to in the WA pool. And at best case scenario, they're going to finish ahead of West Coast. So they're only competing with one team anyway. Um, so they could finish bottom two. And if West Coast is that bottom team or, or whatever, then they've still got the second pick and it doesn't matter whether they win it or not. So there's advantages to that because it means that teams can generally just go, you know, hell for leather to try and win it because they know that it's not going to affect it. But on the other flip side, that if they're talking about finishing low, if you miss finals in a two-team state pool, then you might still finish above the other one. So for me, I think the time isn't quite gone yet, but if we look at the next month, um, they're, Heading to Icon Park on Friday, they play the Bulldogs. Then they host Carlton as part of a three-game home streak where they host Carlton. They, the, technically the visitors to West Coast, um, but, you know, it's in, in Op- WA, Optus that's Stadium. Optus Stadium, so Correct. They're, both, they're both technically away. Yeah, uh, and then uh, obviously they host Melbourne as well. So how many of those games do you anticipate they'll win? They're at 0-2 at the moment, but where do you sort of see them sitting after six? Hmm. Realistically, they should beat West Coast. From what I've seen of them so far, I can't see them beating the Dogs or Melbourne. Carlton, I really, I don't know. That's that's where I where I see it. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I'm sort of on the same boat. I don't think they're going to beat the Bulldogs, uh, especially given that it's in Melbourne. Uh, Carlton is a 50-50 game. They should beat West Coast. And if they don't beat West Coast, then that's a that's a big concern. Considering yeah. West Coast literally packed up shop, cleared out the list and, and went, we're going from the bottom. So they just have to beat West Coast. And you wouldn't expect them to beat Melbourne regardless. But the other two, I think they desperately need to be at least two and four. Um, mm. And real, if they want to be a serious contender, they sh- they should beat the Bulldogs. That's um, yeah. coming into the season. If they want to be a serious contender, then that game against the Bulldogs should be a win because the Bulldogs right now are running hot. Um, they're a cont- well, they've they've won two games, I should say. So they're a contender for finals the way they're playing. Um, so if Fremantle want to make that uh, final eight, they're going to have to beat a team that's in that boat at the moment. So um, that's where we leave Fremantle. We're going to head over to. Some better news and, and look at a team that's probably expected to be in the bottom six, but they have started uh, really, really well. They've won the first two games at St Kilda. Uh, they went and beat Sydney and Hawthorne. Now, he did say pre-season that they just had to win them. They're, in fairness to Hawks and Swans fans, they're probably going to be the bottom two. Um, re- realistically, just purely because they're new, they went young. Um, they've got exciting lists. They'll be competitive, but um, realistically, they're probably the bottom two sides. So, Keeping that in mind, how do you sort of see St Kilda's season thus far? They've been a pleasing side to watch so far. Yes, they played two of the bottom sides, but they, those two sides had not, have nothing to lose this season. They're brand new. No one has any expectations on them. So yeah, if they'd pulled off the upset, we'd be, we'd be asking the same questions of St Kilda that we are of Fremantle. So, yeah, they're... I think, I think this week is going to be a huge test. Um, how they stack up against one of the um, the contenders in the D's. So, yeah, look, players like Bianca Jacobson, Kate Sheilor, even Clara Fitzpatrick, who's come back, have all been really impressive. And even even like Georgia Patricios, who isn't quite back to where she was pre the pre the break shall we say but it still create creates that really good run that St Kilda desperately needed so all in all pleased from what I've seen from St Kilda but the next month will be a very interesting challenge yeah I I think as they say you can only beat who's in front of you so that they've done that they've done it pretty well um so I think now it's just a case of they won the games they've had to now it's going to get tougher. Uh, as you sort of said there, they play Melbourne this week. Um, they travel up to Gold Coast to play them. Then they head down to GMHBA to play Geelong. And then they uh, host Collingwood. Not that, I mean, hosting's really, it's, it, you know, you're traveling 15Ks down the road. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not a massive thing, but they do get to host Collingwood. So the next four games, how many of them do you see as wins for St Kilda? Um. They should be Cold Coast. I should point out they are they are hosting the D's as well, not just Collingwood. Um, uh, they should beat Gold Coast. I I don't know if they'll beat either Melbourne or Collingwood. Geelong, that Geelong game is the fascinating one for me because they've both both sides have come out of the blocks. Both are undefeated so far, but where do they really sit? Because Geelong have played a middle of the roadside in Richmond and have gone whack against 
um, what we thought was one of the contenders in Frio. So, yeah, I think that one's 50-50. They should beat Gold Coast. I don't think they'll get over the top of the other two. Yep. Um, I'm interested uh, to see how they go. I I reckon the fact that that Gold Coast game's in Gold Coast, I'm not certain they they win any of them. Oh, I really? Think, yeah, okay. I, I would be backing Gold Coast, but... Just purely because it's on it, Gold Purely Coast. because it's at Metricon, correct. Um, Gold Coast are a different side there. They, they The way they played against West Coast, and I know West Coast is a very different team to... Um, you know, the North Melbourne they played the first week. But for me, they play Metricon Stadium very well. Um, so I would be backing in Gold Coast in that game. In saying that, um, from the flip side of the coin, St Kilda have definitely improved. And if they are genuine about playing finals, that has to be a win. There's no if, buts or maybes. That has to be a win. Um, the Geelong game realistically has to be a win. But again, I'm tipping Geelong because I think the the narrow win over Richmond, it, it's always hard to tell in round one, but Richmond have now gone and pushed Adelaide. So mm. is that Richmond better, Adelaide worse, or Richmond have just improved? Then you look at that and go, all right, well, Geelong, they beat Richmond. So does that mean they're above these teams? Like, would they beat Adelaide if they played them? Um, they go over to Fremantle. Fremantle are so hard to judge at the moment. They're clearly not playing well, but I mean, how, how do they rate? Would Fremantle, if they played St Kilda, still be above St Kilda? Because Fremantle have played a, a couple of tough games. Like Geelong had a really good slog against Richmond. I think that really suited them against Fremantle. Um, but I would not be shocked to see St Kilda lose them all. I think if they play at their best, they should beat Gold Coast. I think they've got more stars than Gold Coast, but it's just that metricon that I'm so stuck at. I think that if it was in Moorabbin, I'd go, yes, yeah, St Kilda will win that. But... At Metricon, it's the one venue where Gold Coast, I think, are, are really playing it well. Um, and, and I actually think Gold Coast, whoever they play at Metricon, will push quite a few teams. I think they're going to become that team that wins a lot at home, but they don't do well away. I just have a feeling Gold Coast will be that team. So each year you get the fixture, you know you're going to be in for a tough game if you're playing at Metricon. You'll probably get the win if you're there. Um, yeah, I mean, I could be completely wrong. They could win... I. I mean, who, yeah. who, uh, who's to say I won't be wrong too? Yeah, no, I, I can't see them getting realistically too close to Melbourne or Collingwood. Um, or re- the way Geelong are playing, they're, they're uh, above too. But yeah, look, hopefully they can because they've had a pretty rough couple of seasons for the Saints, uh, all things uh, considered. Uh, and, and we've got to remember, uh, Tiana Smith's coming back at some stage. Um I wouldn't rush her back this year. We've had that discussion, but I wouldn't rush her back this year. But she isn't on the inactive list, so theoretically she could. Um, but I think they're going to be a good team next year. But this year, I'm not I'm not quite sure yet. Um, I hope they do win a, win a couple of those because it'd be great for them to, to get a win. I'm just... Gold Coast up there is going to be tricky. Um, I think they're a lot better team up there. So, um, obviously, just mentioning... You've mentioned a few names, you know. Uh, Tani White, Kate Shearlaw's been quite good. Uh, Aaron McKinnon's leading the comp in hitouts. That's been a good recruit for them. Um, but another one, Bianca Jacobson, which we love a good throw. So that's going to be easy. I'll leave her for last because now we can say that, speaking of her, uh, Elise chatted to her. She's the uh, co-vice captain of the Saints. So Elise chatted to her post-game about her side's win in the season this thus far. Uh, here's that interview now. Firstly, solid win from you guys. How did you see the game from where you were? 
Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a solid win. I thought um, we put in a really good four-quarter performance with some ebbs and flows, but um, I felt that we were really organised and set up behind the footy because we know that Hawthorne like to get out the back and beat us out the back with their speed. So um, the ability just to problem-solve from us on the fly, um, I thought I was, it was really good and I was really pleased with um, the communication from us. It was really good. You got off to a bit of a flyer in the first, but then things sort of evened out scoring-wise in the second. What, what happened there? Yeah, we did get off to a, to a really good start and we knew that the second quarter was going to come, that Hawthorne were going to come out and they were going to bring the pressure. We know that they're um, a pressure side, so we expected that. We knew that we weren't going to have it on our terms for the whole day. Um, that's footy, there's always momentum swings. Um, so, yeah, we were prepared for that and I thought we weathered the storm pretty well. How much of a difference has Clara Fitzpatrick, having her back, made to the side? Oh, Clara, I couldn't speak highly enough of her. She's, um, she's incredible. She's such a laugh around the club. She's great culturally um, and even on, on the field, just as well as on the field as well. Um, she's just a tall, absolute unit back there. And, um, yeah, she really helps us reference off our players and um, intercepts really well and just, just really makes us a better team. Just more broadly, having the comp move to winter, how's the that um, changed in terms of conditions for you guys? Like, how has the changing conditions yeah. affected you? Um, not too much to be honest. I was, there were some few cold winter nights leading into pre-season. I was like, oh geez, I'm getting a bit old here. The hands are a bit cold going out. But I mean, you get out, you warm up, you adjust to the conditions. I, I feel like our skills have probably gotten better off the back of it because we've had to train in some pretty um, slippery and wet nights. So I think um, the skills have improved and um, the ability to be able to run out games and, and run a little bit better in the colder weather is a lot easier than running in the heat of summer can be quite difficult at times. So I think that's really helped the game is um, a bit more pace on it with um, it being in winter. Yeah. Speaking of running out of running out games, I swear you never you never get a break. So how, how do you do it? How do you, how do you run out games? Yeah, today I was today I was pretty cooked. Um, I usually do come off and we were down a rotation, obviously with um, Jade Van Dyke going down with her knee, so um, just couldn't unfortunately get okay, off there. Um, I was so cramping at the end. It was um, yeah, it was, it was a tough tough four quarter performance, but to my teammates around me um, help help me um, when I'm out there. So um, yeah, and we'll see you again in two weeks' um, time. Let's try that again. Um, yeah, I do usually get a rest, um, but today we had one um, down in Jay Van Dyke, so um, just unfortunately it was just the nature of the game today, couldn't get off and get a rotation, so um, yeah, I was cramping at the end, but um, had my teammates around me helping me out, and um, we were pretty set up and organised back there, so um, yeah, that helped a lot. <laughs> uh, and just finally, next week, got the Ds, does it get any easier to play against your old side, and what are you expecting from them next week? Um, expecting a fierce contest. They're a really great contested side and they really like to play forward half footy, so I'll expect no different. I love coming up against the Ds. I, um, I love my time there, so there's some really great people there and um, I'm really looking forward just to getting back home, back at RCA Park um, with a new redevelopment there with the Danny Frawley Centre. It's great to get fans down and um, get everybody around the Saints, so I'm really looking forward to playing the Ds. I always do every year. Um, it's always a, a great match against them. You're listening to Game Sense, and that was St Kilda defender Bianca Jacobson post-game after the Saints win over Hawthorne at Box Hill on Sunday. And we're going to run through the AFL Women's Round 3 fixture now. Uh, we'll just get a basically a tip and why from Elise for each game. First up, Friday night action at Icon Park 510. Western Bulldogs versus Fremantle. What are you thinking, Elise? Um, it should be a pretty straightforward win for the Bulldogs. They've, um, they have impressed me so far. Freo have not, so Bulldogs should do it pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. In Melbourne, I'm going for the Bulldogs. Uh, there, there might be a game Fremantle click, but I, I'm not sure it'll be this one just yet. 
Bulldogs have played pretty well. So I'm going to go with them. On to the Saturday action. Adelaide hosts uh, North Melbourne at Unley Oval. Uh, at 12:40 p.m. I don't know the ground dimensions. At least don't not ask where me I was going to ask that. I was yeah. going to ask for those who aren't familiar with um, Adelaide. Oh, actually no, that's a stupid question. Um, but in terms of in terms of the game, this should be it should be more interesting than it would have been on paper at the start of the year. Um, yeah, I think because it's in Adelaide, they should get the job done because. Um, they have previous track record of beating North in Adelaide. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad we've gone that way because at least that's going to be a point of difference. I'm going to go North because <laughs> I'm not risking the other point of difference. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, North in that uh, game. So that I think that'll be a good game, but I do think North are uh, showing a bit more. Uh, we're up to the Battle of the Bridge up in uh, New South Wales. We've got a few of those uh, clashes this weekend. Sydney hosting GWS Giants, the first official clash between the pair at the SCG at, at 2.40pm. So that's a, a big occasion there at the SCG. Yeah, absolutely. And both teams should definitely get up for the game. But I think the experience the GWS have should see them get the win. I agree. I think GWS will be too strong in that game. Geelong versus Collingwood down the highway at GMHBA Stadium, 4.10pm on Saturday. I think this should be a pretty good game. Both teams come in to zip. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be one that, uh, obviously, being at Geelong's home, it helps them. Collingwood uh, still just ticking over the wins, so we'll see what happens, which way you're going in this one. This should be an interesting one and should really set the scene for where Geelong are at this year. But I am going to go Collingwood because I think they'll just be too strong. Yeah, I think they've just got a bit more about them. I think it's going to be a thriller. We know how it was a thriller a few years back in that round one game, um, and they generally go pretty well. So, yeah, I'm going to go Collingwood in a nail-biter there. Uh, the Q Clash up at the Gabba. Brisbane hosts Gold Coast 4.40 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, which way are you going with this one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably the one of the easiest tips of the mm. weekend. Uh, Brisbane. Yeah. No, I look. I was impressed by Gold Coast um, on the weekend. I, w- I watched that. That they were pretty impressive. Brisbane are on another level right now. Uh, I reckon there's only probably one team you'd fifty-fifty against them. Any other team, I think they're gonna just yeah roll them. I think they're gonna win this pretty well at the Gabba. Different to Metricon a little bit. So. Yep, Brisbane for me. We're moving on to Sunday. Carlton versus Port Adelaide at Icon Park at 12.10pm. Carlton coming off their first win, albeit by a point over Essendon. They play another expansion team. Port Adelaide uh, haven't got the win on the board. They've shown some signs, just not consistently. What way are you leaning for this one? This will be a fascinating one because, yes, Carlton got the win on the weekend, but they almost didn't. So, and then... If Port can clean up their last quarter ill-discipline, that's going to help help them go a long way. But because it's at Icon, I'm going to go Carlton just. Yeah, I, I, look, I tend to agree. I really want to tip someone different, but I, I tend to agree Carlton will win. I think that this will be a very close game, and I do think that Port could cause an upset and get their first win. But I, I, I feel like, their strengths match that of Carlton. So I'm interested to see how they go. I do think Carlton will win, though. So next game, don't even know why I'm asking. St. <laughs> Kilda versus Melbourne. 
St Kilda versus Melbourne, RSEA Park at 2.10. Uh, which way do you want to go with this one, Elise? <laughs> um, I think a few um, past demons, no pun intended, are going to get are going to get buried on the weekend and Melbourne should get the win. Past demons. Because um, they... Um, the last time these two sides played at RSEA Park was the first time St Kilda ever got a win. Oh, that is very... <laughs> wow, that changes everything. Um, no, I'm going to tip Melbourne. Um, <laughs> Be no, realistic. Yeah, no. Oh, <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, Saints fans will have something to uh, let you know about if uh, that happens. I realistic. do. I am good friends with a few Saints yeah, fans. So okay. So if, um, yeah, if, we, if, if, <laughs> if they did get over the top, I'm probably going to cop it anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Um, no, I think Melbourne will win that pretty comfortably. Uh Richmond versus Hawthorne at Swinburne Centre or Punt Road, 4.10pm. Uh, Tigers have been the best loser um, this so far. And what I mean by that is they've actually uh, been in front more than any other loser by a long way. Uh, they've been in front for a lot longer than Adelaide have um, by yeah, comparison. Saying something. Yeah, well over an hour. They've been pretty unlucky in their two games. Obviously, they were ahead basically most of the way against Geelong. They're ahead basically most of the way against Adelaide. They haven't been able to get the win. Can they get it done against Hawthorne at Punt Road? <laughs> Leading most of the way and should get over the top against Hawthorne. So, yes, I think, yeah, Richmond have been one of those sides that have really impressed me so far this year and they should get their first win. Yep. I actually think it'll be a much bigger win because I think they'll be pretty annoyed having missed out on their losses. They could just easily be two zip. I think they're going to leave nothing out um, on the field. I think they're going to have a big win. Uh, And that's no disrespect to Hawthorne. I think they've been better than I thought they'd be this year. Mm. But in saying that, Richmond are probably going to be really hungry in this one, especially at Punt Road. Yeah, I was going to say it's at Punt Road as well. So that's... That'll definitely play a part. And, um, of course, they don't have the men's team in finals anymore. Um, so, <laughs> just that's, moving on to the last game. Uh, West Coast versus Essendon at Mineral Resources Park. 6-10, last game of the round. Oh. This is this is a tough one, I think. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see which way you go on this one. But... Which way are you going to go? Because I, I think mm. we can tip differently on this one. Yeah, I, think. I, ha- I, I, I reckon I know which way. I we're going to because yeah. I'm actually going to go Essendon. Because yeah, that's, they've, that's... although they didn't, they're not two zip, they could have just as easily beaten two zip. So, yeah, and West Coast have had a, a bit of an up, up and down year. It's only two rounds in, but... um, Yeah, they won the first round and then they lost the second. It was up and then down. Well, up and then then down in one game. So, yeah, yeah, I think it should be an interesting game, but I think Essendon are going to get the win. I'm glad you did that because... Because you're going to go West Coast. Yeah, I'm going to keep going West Coast until they get a win. A second win, I should say. I know they won the first round, but I tipped them last week. I was confident they'd win. They didn't. So you need to do it this week, West Coast, please. Um, I'm going to go West Coast at home, 6-10. Um, yeah, I, I'm not confident at all in that tip, but I, I hope they do. Um, I think it'll be good. They've got the experience out there. Um, I know Dana Hooker, after their loss, said that they you know, they took on a couple of experienced teams, so they were looking forward to taking on an expansion side who had as much change as they did because West Coast are basically an expansion side based on the amount of change they've had. So um, good luck to them. 
Uh, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up our uh, episode of Game Sense podcast for another week. Uh, I've been your host, Peter Williams. And uh, first, I'd like to thank women's football analyst Elise Collette for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, so we'll be back next week to review round three of the AFL Women's and have more interviews ahead of round four. Make sure you're following us on social media at Rookie Me Central on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite platform. Thanks for listening to Game Sense today and we hope you tune in next week.